0: You're listening to the Daily Missioner podcast with Benedict. We left off last week on the question that that we on a hint of tikun olam of a of a takana of an ordination an ordinance which the bet din made in order to sort something out in order to make the world better. And by the way, tikun olam in the la- in the time of the, the mishnah certainly is really restricted to places where the halakha is clearly going wrong and we need to change the halakha to stop these things going wrong in other words it's not like, i would say that the when we people talk about tikkun olam today they talk about it in a much more expansive way than it's used in the time of the mishnah and that's not to say, by the way, that people who use that expression today are wrong. I mean, they've, they've taken an idea from the Mishnah and they've expanded it. But in the time of the Mishnah, we are very much concerned with halakha. And so we learned about um, lost animals, people who used to find an animal would just run away in case they were liable for its libations. So the court decreed that the libation offerings should come from public funds. And Rabbi Shimon then says, and we're now picking up in the sixth Mishnah of the seventh chapter. Rabbi Shimon says that there were seven other things, or seven things, actually not other things. There were seven things that the court decreed. And that was just one of them. So, of course, Rabbi Shimon is going to now tell us what the other six are. Amar Rabbi Shimon, Shiva devarim hikinu Rabbi Shimon said the Betdin made seven ordinances and that was one. So let's have the other, let's let's look through what the other, the other six were. Some non-Jew sends in a sacrifice from far away, from Medinat Hayam, from overseas. It's come from way, away away. Of course, we can't send this back, and perhaps this non-Jew, by the way, this might be someone of political importance. Maybe not, but we can't send the offering back, and we probably don't want to refuse to offer it. Let's just keep that in mind. Veshilach iman Sachim. and they sent its libation offerings with it. What sort of libation offerings? Well, they might have sent the wine and the oil. Or they more likely they will have sent the money for the wine and the oil. Because shipping over wine and oil that is in a state of Tahara would be complicated from, well, from overseas. Anyway, the, certainly the Gemara interprets this as sending over money. So the non-Jew sends his offering and he sends over money for the libation offerings. Krevin we offer, Michalot. We offer up what he offered. The Imlav. But if he doesn't send money for the libation offerings, Michel, they should be offered from public funds. We're not going to get to a point where we, we reject this offering because the libation offerings are not there with them. What about a convert who died and left sacrifices? Of course, the convert might not have... If he converted after his children were born, he doesn't have Jewish heirs. So we can't just go over his, we just, we can't go over his inheritors for the libation offerings. If he left money for the libation offerings, we offer up his. If not, we offer them up from the public purse. We're not going to disrespect the 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 offerings of this convert who's no longer alive. Utnay Bey dinhu, and it was a condition laid down by the Bed din, al kohen gadol shemet, that in the case of a dead high priest, so this is a this is a high priest who's essentially died, well we'll see in a minute he's essentially died pretty much in the middle of his service and we haven't got a replacement yet that his mincha should be offered from public funds. And uh, Rabbi Yudah is going to disagree. Rabbi Yudah Yudah says from the property of his heirs. And by the way, it had to be the whole of it. This is regardless of whether it's from public funds or from his heirs. And uh, this is a puzzling one. But in order to understand this Mishnah, we need to learn a verse. We we need to learn a verse. And um, it's in Vaikra by Hashem Ze korban Aaron Uvanav. This is the offering of Aaron and of his sons. So now you can see by the way why Rabbi Huda wants to get the um, the inheritors, the children of the Kohen Gadol to pay, right? This is the offering of Aaron and his sons. Asheya biyom This is which he will offer up to the Lord on the day when he's anointed. The high priest would actually offer this on every day. The, the Pasuk talks about on the day that he's anointed, but he carries on offering. ha'efa uh, solit min tamid. He carries on offering it because it says tamid. A tenth of an ephah. A fine flour for a meal offering, perpetual, always. So it's not just on the day he's appointed. Machatzi bokeh u erev. So he'd offer half of it up in the morning and half of it up in the evening. And the commentators explain actually that he would make this into matzot. And he'd offer half of them in the morning and half of them in the evening. And if he um, died, maybe he dies at lunchtime. And a successor is appointed by the afternoon. Well, his successor will clearly offer up the afternoon. But what if he dies at lunchtime and his successor has not yet been appointed? That's the case that we're discussing here. And the Bet-Din is saying, look, (laughs) if he dies at lunchtime, we're not going to let that sacrifice not stand. We will offer it up out of public funds. But we're going to offer up the whole amount. So the Pusukim talk about taking a tenth of an ephah and splitting it into two, half in the morning, half in the afternoon. Well, if the Bet Din is going to come forward with a new tenth of an ephah, then, well, we don't really have the chance to split it in two. So we offer up the whole of the tenth of the ephah. That's the third Takana of the Bet Din. And let's Carry on, because there are three more. And these are really to help out the Kohanim or to help out the public. Concerning the salt and the wood that the priests may benefit from them. So people are going to give salt and wood. We've learned that already. People are going to give salt and wood for the to, to the temple. The priests clearly are going to eat the meat that's been sacrificed, that's been burnt with that wood. And that's been salted with that salt. Well, are clearly the priests are allowed to eat the meat, but are they allowed to benefit from the salt and the wood? Well, the Bet Din makes a, a, a Takana. Yes, they are. Obviously, they can't use it for their personal purposes. But to the extent that it's been used to salt and to fire the sacrifices, they can benefit from it. Now, the next one's a bit broader. Vela para, shelo but Ephra, And concerning the heifer, that's, that using its ashes is not considered sacri- sacrilege. So the ashes of the red heifer are liberally distributed. Because anyone who comes in contact with a dead body can have some of this stuff sprinkled on them. And I mean, the commentators talk about an anxiety that people will you know, take the ashes and try and use them for healing. Because you can imagine uh, the ashes of the heifer are a sort of antidote to to death. I mean, who's become tamé from contact with a dead body? It's someone who's had a dead body in their tent. So it's someone whose close relative has died. That's the kind of person that is sprinkled with the ashes, of the red heifer. And it seems to be, by the way, some kind of soap. The red heifer was a a, a special breed of cow that seems to have a very high fat content. So the ashes seem to be, it seems to be some kind of soapy substance. By the time you mix the, mix the ashes in water, it's some kind of soapy substance. And sprinkle. it's sprinkled on you. You rub your face with it. And then you are eligible, and then you take a bath and you're eligible to come back in the community. It's a bit like a precursor of our Shiva, that you had to do this for seven days before you came back in the community. It made you want to take a bath, basically. It made you want to renew yourself before you came to the community. So that anyway, the everybody does this. Everyone who comes into contact with death does this. And the Bet Din makes a Takana, that... There's no question about a uh, meila about sacrilegious sacri- use of holy objects, if you know if they use these ashes which are sprinkled on them. The al hakinim absulot Shehuva michel and concerning bird offerings which have become unfit, that they should come from public funds. Now we learnt, by the way, when we were learning about the the financial dealings with the temple, we learnt actually when the temple buys something generally the seller is responsible for making sure that the quality is such that the item can be sacrificed and that's effectively what rabbi yosi says and the halakha by the way goes according to rabbi yosi rabbi yosi omer hamasapek etakinim musapek etapsulot someone who supplies the bird offerings is bound to supply those which had become unfit i.e to replace those which have become unfit in the halakha, I believe, go, I'm almost certain goes according to Rabbi Yossi. But this was the the la, that was the last of the Takanot. And that is the closure of chapter seven of Shekalim. And then we go back to our theme of lost and found. Remember how we started this. We started with all kinds of things which are found in Jerusalem. And of course, one of the things that was found were animals wandering around and we had to deal with, Possible liability for the libations. And now we're going to go back to this issue of lost and found and things which are found. But we're going to, we're, well, we'll see that the Mishnah surprises us. <laughs> any spit, any spit found in Jerusalem to is clean. Chutz Michel Shuka Elion. Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Meir says anything you can, ass- anything you find, you can assume it's clean. Other than that, it- which is up in the upper market, I think Gentiles frequented the upper market, and Gentiles were generally assumed to be in a state of not tahara, so their spit was generally considered not to be clean. But generally, any spit found in Jerusalem is clean, according to Rabbi Meir. And Rabbi Yossi, the halakha, goes according to Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yossi has a different view. Rabbi Yossi Ome, in ordinary days of the year, regular days of the year. If you find the spit in the middle of the road, it's tameh. Because most people walking up and down on the middle of the road. So if there's some if there's a zav if there's someone who's got an omission, if there's someone who's ritually impure, then his spit is going to be in the middle of the road. It'll be where most people are found. And Rabbi Yossi then adds, bat stadin Anything by the side is tahor. Rabbi Yossi assumes that because most people walk in the middle of the road, someone who wants to maintain himself in a state of tahara will walk at the edge of the road, so as to get out of the crowd. So he's going to assume that spit found on the side of the road is tahor. But, and there's a but, at festival times, it's going to be the other way round. around. If at festival times, at festival times, the, the, the Jerusalem is flooded with pilgrims, and they've come for the festival, and they've come to maintain themselves in a the state of Tarak, so it's assumed that effectively they're the majority. So what is in the middle of the road is clean. Veshe but stadin to in and anything on the edge is unclean. So at that time of year you assume that someone who's not Tahor is gonna walk at the side of the road, so as not to um not to make Tamer the pilgrims who are here for the festival, who are there for the festival. Shemi Pne im Mistalkin in Because Those who are unclean are few in numbers and they just walk at the side of the road. So Rabbi Yossi is essentially saying, look, we've seen this theme come through with things which are found that we go according to the majority. And by the way, we assume some kind of social cohesion, some kind of consideration that people have for one another in Jerusalem, particularly at the time of the foot festival